Everybody, welcome back to the combat chain. I am your host, Patrick. I can win if I roll higher than a one. Nope. Okay. Brick. Uh, break gambler's gloves. Still one. I guess I died to blood debt. Shaw. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Adam. Kano is back on the menu, baby. Philip Chuck. Adam, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm good, Pat. Uh, we're just a couple days back from uh, San Jose. Uh, course we had a uh, worlds this weekend so that was a blast um what? didn't really? <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if i don't know if you heard pat yeah world world championship this weekend tiny little tournament huh yeah j- just a little blip on the map but uh yeah no um of course um didn't have a, a stellar result this weekend but we weren't going in with any big expectations just because of like like we've talked about in the past kind of where life's been lately but still it was a, yeah. a great experience um but i'm also glad to be home um I get a little homesick sometimes, miss my animals, miss my lady. Uh, it's good to be back. It's good to, it's good to have you back. And, you know, congratulations on a, a successful 2022. You made it to Worlds. You did it. You did the thing. Uh, and uh, uh, we were all rooting for you. And we found you in the giant hangar. Uh, <laughs> and where's Adam? So, the, the, the big tent. Uh, yeah, yeah. I keep hearing. We'll talk about this. I'm interested to know uh, about how it how it went out went down. Uh, but speaking of coming off this weekend and uh, looking ahead, we have a very special guest with us this week. Ethan Van Zant, widely known for his love for the Shadow Brute, uh, Leviah, Shadowborn Abomination, uh, with Ethan being essentially her signature player. You can find Ethan streaming live regularly during the week, testing for the next big event. Uh, Ethan also has a few projects uh, that will break down uh, during this podcast. He will be uh, streaming with Star City Games uh, for the Battle Hardens moving forward. I think he's the exclusive streamer uh, at this point. Correct, Ethan? Um, And next weekend, uh, he will be airing the first of its kind live streamed uh, Clash format eight-person tournament uh tournament uh clash is a new format devised by ethan as a middle ground between blitz and commoner the tournament this weekend will be uh live streamed on his youtube channel and will be cast by himself and lss content manager chris buley ethan welcome to the combat chain thank you pat um i think my official introduction should also be ethan i can win if i roll higher than a one nope okay brick gamblers roll one died of blood debt uh van sant that is also me (laughs) so i'm in good company it seems uh first and foremost i'd like to check on you and your luggage how how is how is everything that how, how are you doing and you're traveling and is everything with you that you brought to uh to uh, san jose uh, san jose went well and actually as far as big travel hurdles go i'm surprised because this was it's been like three weeks on the road wrapping up here uh traveling to columbus uh running back home just for a quick pack to then go to denver staying on the road through san jose flying back for another quick two days home and then going back out to Philly. So uh, out of a whole month I've spent at this point, like now this is my second day officially home in like two months. Um, And somehow the luggage was fine through all of that, unlike coming back from France. So uh, it's good. It's good. Things are already going better than before. Uh, And I have all my decks that I packed with me still in tow, also better than before. All my camera gear still functional, still in hand. So it's all good. Awesome, awesome. Now you moved. You moved up to uh, New York recently, correct? 
Uh, yeah, I live in middle of nowhere, upstate New York. Um, so Geneva, it's a uh, tip of the Seneca Finger Lakes and, uh, it's about, it's about it. We got an LGS like an hour away, got another LGS like an hour 15 away and then uh, Talishar on my browser. So that's pretty much what I do. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you, you hang out on the tavern these days, uh, correct? With, uh, Lee, Lee Pichard and the tavern brawlers. Yeah, they're, um, I mean, I've known Lee for a while now, just from events. And when I was moving up to, uh, upstate New York, you know, he's based it was kind of like an hour plus away. So he reached out about actually kind of getting together as part of the team in more of a like community capacity. And um, it's been fun. I mean, the team so far is still growing. So the the player base um, is always fresh and exciting. We've got Brian on there who just got forward at Nationals. He's been amazing to work with. Uh, but for I do see it more of a community um, partnership. Like Lee just is so good for the community. Super happy guy. Runs a lot of great events, and I also would like to think I help the community. So it's a match made in heaven. We're doing well. Certainly is. Yeah, uh, Lee is uh, again not to schmooze all over the place. Lovely, uh, been uh, friends with him all, uh, for a while. Loves catching his hat at uh, big events and and figuring out where he is and having a good conversation with him. Uh, it's always a, always a good time. Now, uh, Worlds. Uh, I keep mm-hmm. hearing, I watched it uh, at home, streaming, uh, and it seemed fine, but guys, I'm hearing horror stories. You were in a municipal hangar, there was no food, there was no bathrooms, uh, there was roaches on the floor, there were fires and dumpsters uh, around every corner. Uh, how much of that is true? How much is false? How, how was the actual world's uh, experience? Mm, well, I would still say 9.5 out of 10. I the only complaint about the venue were the bathrooms. I actually thought overall like that. Sure, it looked like a tent, but it was actually insulated and it got quite warm. So I was as far as convention centers go, like normally I'm always freezing. So for me, it was a win. Like, yeah, it looked like a circus tent, but it was quite cozy. The bathrooms were outside, which was a bit of a hike and they weren't the nicest anyway. Uh, but, you know, you didn't have to get venue food. You could just cross the street and all of a sudden you had a plethora of options. So uh, I I don't think all the complaints are warranted, but definitely on the surface, it it looked a bit rough. But hey, just remember, you didn't have to wear like three parkas. You were fine. Yeah, I 100% agree, actually. Um, I, though I did encounter a roach and that was a little unsettling. I don't do well with bugs. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I was kidding about the roach. That's a, that is unsettling. Well, okay. I don't know if it was a roach, but I was oh, like yeah. walking and there was this like massive bug on the ground, like probably about the, oh, right. You guys are both American. You don't know what like a loony or a toonie is. Uh, probably about the size of a, uh... nope, your fake money is no good here. <laughs> yeah. Our money sucks. I've, I've got nothing yeah, to yeah, say yeah, about yeah. it. Like our, our currency's in the yeah, shitter. Come on, come, and... on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's um, it's rough. But, but were were there actual fires, dumpster fire? I didn't hear of any fires. Are you? No, that was also okay, just a metaphor. I heard from some people like uh, the professor was on the Flukenbox Thunder uh, pod, uh, uh, mm-hmm. podcast, and he didn't have uh, great things to say about the venue. And uh, I've just on on social media in particular, it seemed like there was. Like the event itself was great. The venue was a fixer-upper. Is what I what I kept. The, it was the consistent theme throughout, and things like the player reception. Uh, I heard mixed reviews on the player reception. The uh, venue was, for the player reception was nice, but it was just like some of the execution was a little. They, I think they yeah. under anticipated the turnout for mm-hmm. for the banquet. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the complaints are overblown on that front. Like, I've been, if you expect to really get food being like the last person in line to get in and the last person in line in the food lines, just, I'm sorry, but they're not just going to have pizzas for you. Like, I, I did, I went in relatively early and I didn't even expect to get food. Like, the drinks were always going to flow. That's why I was there. I just got food with friends at another spot. So, for the people who did pay, like, yeah, it, it definitely came off a bit rough. Um, but for anyone with just a free invite, I would, I would hold your tongue. Like, it was still, it was a great time. Uh, no complaints. So, so, so really, we're saying that survival of the fittest in action was kind of taking place. That those, those who that's failed right. to adapt uh, floundered. Yeah, that's right. Look, I deal with blood debt on a on a daily yeah. basis. These people, <laughs> what, come on. <laughs> Uh, so I found it. I found it great. Wish you could have been there, Pat. It was, it was yeah, fun. you know, I I tried really, really hard for most of 2022 and uh, could not could not put it together, unfortunately. Uh, so my my season ended at U.S. Nats. So uh, so end ending of a season. Does this is uh, there's nothing left for 2022 in terms of competitive play now for, uh, for two battle hardens. battle hardens. two two battle hardens, which you are streaming. Uh, so mm. yes, that was very important to note. Uh, but in terms of pro tour level play, that's it until they, I don't think they've announced the location for pro tour three, but they've had pro quest season three, uh, announced for end of January. So what mm. does, what does 2022 is coming to a close now here? Have you, have you given thoughts on like how, how you have, uh, you know, are you treating this kind of like an end of a season? Is this just a continuation of, of, of just gameplay for you going into the next year? Like, is there a stopping point? Is there a rest point here coming into the winter? Or do you treat it differently and uh, perhaps just a continuous flow? Now, this is go time. This is uh, this is buckle down, you know, take the reprieve that Ellis is giving us from big events to actually go a little bit full blown on content creation. Uh, and also dive into a new set and just get ahead of the curve on all the tournaments that do start rolling out at the the, the turn of the turn of the year here. So uh, no, I mean like uh, there's two battle hardens still to wrap up, and one of them is at SEGCon in Philadelphia that I'll be doing exclusive coverage of. Um, the other one is in Hong Kong, so you get a bit of a. Sp- I'm not streaming that one, sorry. Uh, uh, you get a bit of a bit of a spread uh, across the globe here. Land of mystery here. <laughs> to to see what people are doing with the Dynasty set. Um, and then I think we'll dive into a bit later, but you know, the clash tournament was always planned as a way to, uh, you know, fill that gap of tournament play that LSS normally gives us, uh, in November and December, just their little off season. So, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mean we have to take a break from fab. We can just look at fab in a different light, which is what the clash journey is hopefully going to do when we, when we jump into that later. But no, for me, look, it's, uh, you know, with streaming and all that regularly, like that's not going to change. It's it's still it's still on the docket. I think maybe a few less streams because family travel comes up and things like that. Uh, but uh, you know, I get to save some money for once, not not actually looking to book tickets every month. So it'll be mm-hmm. nice. You don't just transition those uh, those unspent funds right into sealed sealed uh, fab boxes. Mm-hmm. Not a degenerate I- like that. I buy Levi cards, and luckily this set, there's like zero, so I don't yeah, have to spend that is, money. That is true, and uh, that is something I'd like to talk about. Adam, what about uh, what about you? I know we've we've had some conversation about uh, what what the future looks like, but uh, is this a is this the close of a of a chapter, so to speak, uh, coming in coming towards the end of 2022? What does uh, what does Adam Phillipchuk's uh, outlook for 2023 look like? 
Um, I'm I'm still not totally certain. Uh, I I'm torn right now. I I think to some extent I do feel the a little bit of the burnout of um just grinding competitively, but at the same time, uh, I do truly love it. And um, I think in the I, I am I'm glad we're in a little bit of an off season. I I do like to to Ethan's point. I do want to find some ways to seize this opportunity and like try and get ahead of the curve somehow. But I'm I'm not totally certain what that means yet or what that looks like. Um, I I know um, in some of our well, I, I guess uh, we do have um uh. I'm trying to think how do I I don't want to spill any beans here. Uh we do have some uh you and I'll we be have some of our some... own Yeah, we have some of our own content coming up here. That we're yeah. We're, be... Yeah, we'll leave it at that for now. We're gonna be involved yeah. in some stuff with uh um uh the Fab Foundry and uh that that's quite exciting. Um so that's gonna take up some of my time. But like um beyond that, um a reality for me is like some of my testing situation fell apart and because of that now it's it, it's kind of causing me to reevaluate like where do i want to like who do i want to surround myself with like from a, a testing perspective and i coming out of this weekend there there was i could i was seeing a lot of like the not just the camaraderie and the support uh that like some of the teams have but also, like you can just see, like the the, the work they all put in together, um, really like um, caused some 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 teams to excel this weekend. And ideally, I'd like to try to in this off season find myself some sort of if I don't know. I, I'm not totally certain what that looks like. I'm not mm-hmm. totally certain what direction to be you know looking in yet. But I, I guess if I I, I could. If if I could paraphrase it, like just it, it'd be cool to find myself on some sort of a semi-formal or formalized team to like work with. Um, yeah, definitely, w- right? Like that's been uh, right. One of the, I think one of the central points coming out of this this season that started with Pro Tour One all the way down to the World Championships has been, I think, the the emerging of the kind of the team aspect of the individual game that is uh, flesh and blood. Ethan, have you, you've been kind of neck deep into this this whole time. How much have you seen uh, the formation of these, these well-known teams and even some of the lesser known teams bringing up these uh, high level competitors and like, how much of a, an advantage is it at this point uh, in your eyes to, to get that, that cohesive unit together uh, to help you succeed in at the highest levels? Um, well, I mean, I'm not really part of any formal team. I'm very much a lone wolf because no one really cares about testing against Leviah, uh, which is which is valid. Uh, but I've definitely got my finger on the pulse of a couple different teams and have been involved um, a little bit behind the scenes on just you know observing what's going on. Uh, like this weekend, I was at the test house with Dan Rakowski, who did make top four at Worlds. And just to see the two-phase approach of, all right, well, actually, three-phase approach of, all right, this is the night before. This is the night before Worlds, like what last minute prep can we jam in uh, compared to the second day of, all right, you're live for day two, it's time to buckle up versus day three, this is top eight, full information on the table, deck list in hand, how do you win? 
Um, and each day was taken treated very differently because at first, um, at first, you know, the first there's all the buzz around everyone on the team, Yuanji, Brody, Dan, uh, Nathan, like everyone's wondering how well will they do, and there's all this tension in the room of everyone wants to test kind of selfishly, like they they want to test as a team, but it's for right. their personal performance. Um, compared to the second day, where the people who are live get a lot of the focus, uh, and it's about refinement. And it's about, um, you know, just making sure that day one, uh, you know, it doesn't go to waste. Like not everyone could make it, you know, here you've got your team on the, you've got like the entire team on your back, like you can do it. It's a lot of support um, and a lot of specific testing of, all right, let's listen to the top player here who needs, who needs help. Like now they're going to lead the testing because not everyone needs to, not everyone needs to be involved in that point Um, compared to day three of now we've got someone live for top eight who can win this whole thing. What is that like? And it becomes this completely uh, communal effort of, we are gonna put all our minds to cover up everything that we don't want Dan to stress about. You know, We are going to look at every matchup from his side, from their side, talk through everything. Um, but at the core of it is just that, this idea of, you know, it's for Dan, it's for his own good. If he says he's tired, that's it. Like there's no pressure. Um, and it's really cool. Like it was a complete evolution of team, uh, like kind of decentralized team effort into like starting to form around the one player and supporting them and bringing them up. Um, and that is not something you ever get if you are alone, uh, because it's, it's not so much about the testing team around you. It's about the support that they give you as you continue to do well. Um, and I really love seeing that in particular, because I do definitely discount the idea of like closing the doors and like testing with your own people and not really letting in others and you kind of get locked in your own assessment of the meta that may not be right, but you do definitely miss the community aspect. You know, everyone funneling, channeling their energy towards the one person. It, it's really great. It, it was fun to see. Excellent. Uh, and uh, let's, uh, I do want to take a quick look into the actual uh, worlds and, and talk a little bit about how, uh, how the top eight and and the eventual champion kind of uh, transpired here. Uh, looking at the top eight, a very I, I I'd like to think very internationally represented uh, uh, top eight. We have Denmark and Viet Pham, uh, Taiwan uh, by, represented by uh, Pei Tung Liao. Apologies if I'm getting that wrong. Great Britain had Rob Catton. Uh, Italy, Fouad Omar, um, and, and a smattering of U.S. guys, Christopher Ayali, uh, Dan Rutowski, uh, Wesley Dong, and uh, Michael Hamilton. Uh, the first top eight matchup, of course, was Viet Pham uh, versus Michael Hamilton in the Icelander mirror. And in possibly the biggest brain move ever in flesh and blood, this is like if, if Hamilton is remembered for anything, right, it's probably going to be for catching the sink in Arsenal mm-hmm. at the very beginning of the game and then just shutting fam down for for the entire game just a just a mind-blowingly mm-hmm. right galaxy brain you know fire off the meme fireworks kind of move there and Hamilton uh closed closed it out there um uh, the next match was uh, uh, Dong versus Liao, Oldham versus versus Briar. Uh, Briar taking it um, in a very grindy game. Um, quick uh, side note about that game: while that was happening, um, if you go over to the Team Covenant stream, Zach Bun was recapping his experience uh, at, with Wolfpack. Michael Hamilton being Team Wolfpack. While this mm-hmm. game was going down, they had an idea that 
uh, Briar was going to win it. And obviously Hamilton's comfortable with the Oldham matchup. So Zach Bunn built the Briar list that uh, I guess between Christopher and, and Peytung, the lists weren't totally uh, weren't uh, hugely different from one another. So Zach Bunn had Briar built and they played six to seven matches while the top, while the other top eight match was happening. Mm-hmm. And Hamilton fine tuned his sideboard for Briar uh, as that was going down. Very important to note as we continue down. Um, the next match in the top eight quarterfinals Daniel Rutowski versus Rob Catton, a fine mirror. Um, Rutkowski takes it over, uh, over Catton in a three-turn five-mirror match. Uh, uh, Rutowski uh, put on the mask of the pouncing links, and there was a lot of questions about that, and then he got seven points of damage off of it, and it made all the sense in the world um, afterwards. And I think you're going to see links back into Vogue uh, after Worlds is, is over here. And uh, to top it off, Fouad uh, Omar versus Christopher Ali, probably the best game of the top eight. Um, the very grindy matchup went back and forth. Uh, Omar looked like he was going to have it there, but uh, Ayali uh, takes it and moves on to the semifinals uh, there. Um, moving on to the semifinals, Hamilton versus uh, versus Liao. Um, Hamilton obviously wins that one uh, in textbook Icelander fashion. Uh, Rutkowski versus Chris Ayali in possibly the most tragic match of, of the tournament. Um, Ayali uh, essentially OTKs him. I turn zero channel Mount Heroic turns into a turn one force of nature and a 40 damage turn that ends, uh, ends Daniel's uh, evening and starts uh, calls for channel Mount Heroic. And uh, that leads us to Michael Hamilton versus Christopher Ayali in the finals. And uh, Hamilton takes it. Uh, and wins wins world championship, and I think the debate is now over for best player in the world at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that Hamilton uh, is is it. Um, yeah, there's no question. the The man is absolutely cracked, and also remains incredibly humble. So that's really uh, the yeah. face you want when someone wins this much. There's zero ego about him. I really like Michael. Um, given what we saw in the top eight, uh, we just had a ban announcement released uh, mm-hmm. just this evening. No changes on Classic Constructed. Um, with with what Christopher Ayali was able to pull off against uh, Rutowski in the semifinals, there, there were starting to be murmurs of Channel Mount Heroic, and then uh, a little below that in social media, there was calls for... Uh, Art of War to see to be to be banned, and the common thread here seems to be the force multipliers. Ethan, are you are you content with no ban uh, with this most recent announcement in Classic Constructed? Uh, yeah, overall, I didn't really expect anything, but I thought they were gonna maybe get a little bit subtle with it, either banning Cold Snap or Polar Blast, uh, one or the other, uh, because those cards, uh, as we've seen, I, I don't really think that. Polar Blast was really meant to be a bread and butter Icelander card, but as we have now seen, this ability to just trade a blue for a random card and also give a Frostbite and deal three damage um, is incredible in the Icelander deck, and they get to run six copies of that between Cold Snap and Polar Blast. So I thought maybe a little bit of a subtle hit on that uh, would be quite nice. Um, it's not what came through. Nothing came through. Uh, but as far as the, for- the Force Multipliers go... Um, I think it would be a little preemptive to ban it right now because we're about to see a deck that uh, is introduced in Dynasty, Arachne, that is a very... I don't really know if we can call him a combo killer, but he 
very much impedes Dex' abilities to uh, abuse combos of cards because he will just get rid of them, uh, either from top of deck or potentially even in Arsenal um, with his Leave No Witnesses card. There's He's just going to disrupt a lot of decks that rely on um, getting certain cards in hand together. So uh, I, I think maybe that's what they were waiting for, just see what Arachne actually does, because there really isn't a big event anyway until, you know, I guess like the ProQuest start kicking off, and those aren't yeah, necessarily right. that even big. then you probably don't want to yeah. have a, a, a ban list happening there, though it does... Uh, um... Well, we'll we'll continue on. So, uh, on the classic constructed side, no no changes. On the blitz side, oh boy, we got some changes to talk about here. Uh, Adam, I know this especially uh, tickles the cockles of your heart here. Uh, the in blitz, the following changes are effective as of November 11, uh, which is Friday. Ether wildfire banned. Ether Icefane is suspended until the next banned and suspended announcement, January 30th, 2023. So, Ethan, to your point, after ProQuest mm. Season 3 concludes. Uh, Hypothermia is suspended until Icelander becomes Living Legend, and Stormstriders moves from suspended to legal. We have a Kano aficionado uh, who uh, should be grabbing the shovel at this point to exhume the corpse that once that was uh, <laughs> Kano's Blitz deck, huh? What do you what do you think about this, Adam? I mean, it's it, what I, what I found it interesting about like all the moves they've done to try to dial in Wizard. Um, every single move, uh, each time something happens, it. it gradually changes the play style and it gradually changes the game plan and like of course like when storm striders went like kano was just that there just wasn't enough of a, a reliable i think um win con that you can fall back on but wildfire and storm striders in blitz was i think a little too pushed because you could like wildfire you can deal easily like 20 30 plus damage i think i've done at one point like 50 some off of it um you're a terrible person <laughs> and um my my initial thought is that like i mean so kano loses an ability to combo that he had before uh with wildfire um going away but um having storm striders back and, and uh I think Kano kind of goes becomes a little more of like we see his game plan become a little more classic to like what it it was maybe during um, the crew era. Uh, mind mind you, you don't have stir fork anymore, and you don't have snapback anymore. So That's I a think good point. I, I think the way they've addressed it right now, it makes for like there still is. A slight like you still have to work for a win with Kano. Like you're not always gonna have these easy free wins. Uh, but um, I'm ex. I like I, now that we have Stormstriders back. I'm excited to brew with Kano, and I'm excited to um, to see like w where the deck can land now. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Ethan, I don't, I don't know if I've ever gotten your your opinion on on Blitz or have heard it. How how do you feel about the forty card format that is Blitz? Well, I used to think Blitz was kind of a wash. Uh, just it wasn't that exciting because I didn't ever get good quality Blitz games in because it was just maybe play it at Armory sometimes, and most people did it so begrudgingly. But 
Uh, after Worlds, I actually love Blitz. I think playing against really good players in the Blitz format is the most fun I've had in Flesh and Blood. It's actually incredible. Um, apart from like, you know, a high roll game out of every, I don't know, how many games? I played like 15 games of Blitz over Worlds in the Battle Harden. I had one high roll game. Um, so, I mean, that's anecdotal, but uh, I don't think the high rolls are as prevalent as people really say. And on top of that, what makes Blitz so interactive and engaging is just because so many things say on hit death. And when things say on hit death, you don't get to just kind of non-game your opponent and say, I don't care what you're doing because I just scale better than your hand does. And in CC, there's a lot of problems with that um, that come up, like you're talking about with the channel mount, force of nature, what Fi can do as well, where um, some hands just scale ridiculously well with how large you can keep them. And um, Blitz is more of a format of maybe you get to do that once, and then you need to actually worry about how to trade and how to preserve pressure while trading, which is really different. Um, maybe you get that in like the the last dregs of a CC game, but from Blitz, it's almost how you play from like turn one. And I actually really like it. Leviath thrives in that. So uh, I'm yes. really big convert these days, honestly. No, I think Blitz is my favorite format. I I can't get enough of it. And and to your point, it's 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 exactly because of that, like the impact of your uh, your your pivot, right? Because it's it's impactful and it's quick, but it's important. Like you have to mm -hmm. be able to play in into that correctly. And if you don't have either the armor or the right cards in hand, it can really uh, it can really swing swing away from you. All right. Mm -hmm. Um. We are going to get into a little more about uh, Ethan, the 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 man. Um, we recently just had <laughs> Brendan Patrick on, um, and you faced him in Pro Tour Lil, uh, I believe. Oh yes, yes I did. Um, and so he, uh, this was just as the Goliath Gauntlet. Uh, opening round match was aired, and in that, you of course took down uh, Pablo Pintor uh, mm. in in in, the, in what was uh, the popular opinion was that that was a huge upset. Uh, that was Pablo Pintor, greatest player, uh, next to Michael Hamilton, and then Ethan Van Sant, a respectable player in his own right, but right the the uh, the David and Goliath narrative was 100 percent there. Um, Brendan Patrick had just the greatest words to say about you and oh, was that's really, nice. I didn't know. <laughs> um, by all means, check our previous episode featuring Brendan mm -hmm. Patrick. Uh, if you haven't, haven't yet to see that, uh, I believe that's 32, uh, Adam, does that sound about right? Uh, maybe 31, so. 31. I think Matt Rogers was 32. We'll get there. Um, but uh, he came away uh, kind of really appreciating your ability to uh, really dissect the the game uh, at a high level. And uh, it was his opinion, um, and I think we share that opinion, is that uh, the Pablo Pintor win was not as big of an upset as people may have uh, may have liked to think, because you actually have you you're a really highly skilled player. Um, during that same interview, I was referring back to your uh, five streams, uh, getting ready for U.S. Nats, where uh, you you helped me become a better five player because of your ability to break down those those lines in real time in a way that 
I was not. I was not there. Uh, but but you got me there, and I know you got a whole bunch of other players there uh, on the, at the same time. And it was really it was really informative, and it really is a, like a huge showcase of your abilities there. Conversely, you play Leviah, and it is just a heartache of of a deck. How do you how do you reconcile playing? Playing Leviah, and and I know that you you have the legal Leviah. You 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 love her, uh, you know. And part of the beauty of this game is that, um, you know, we can have the loyalty to the loyalty to the heroes that that you have. But um, do you do you ever feel like you missed out on more on the competitive level because of your decision to kind of stay the course with her? Hmm. Well, uh, let me. This analogy came up on stream, and I actually quite love it. Have you seen Little Shop of Horrors before? Either yes. the musical or the movie. Yes. I think my relationship with Leviah is quite like Seymour's with Audrey too. It's uh, a <laughs> yeah. Started out started out like my little pet deck that I absolutely loved and cherished, and was just floored that no one else appreciated her the way I did and picked up the wins the way I did at a small scale. Uh, but as I've grown in the game. Her flaws are all the more striking and all the more um, just kind of ignored as well by the design team. After talking with them in depth after Worlds, it really has become evident there is not much help coming Leviah's way uh, for give or take like 10 months. So, you know, when, when those kind of comments hit me on top of the realization, true realization that, look, Leviah just truly is a handicap as good as a deck as I hope she will be one day, and as well as I can pretend her games go, uh, the reality is you don't have enough good cards in your deck to actually play a great game of Flesh and Blood. You can, you can play some great hands of Flesh and Blood, you can play some great turn cycles of Flesh and Blood, but to play an entire great game of Flesh and Blood is almost out of her control. You, you brick, you have hands that deal six, and you wonder... Why am I playing a deck with blood debt? Reiner does this. Like, you know, there's, uh, there's just so many things that can fall apart with her that uh, sometimes don't come up and sometimes give you a great run. Uh, but when they do come up, there's just not much agency to, to claw your way back from a win uh, or out of, out of a loss. So, um, you know, you look at games like the Pablo Pintor game, and the reason that game looked so great was because it was over so quick. It was just like three amazing high roll turns, and the game just actually finally ended, thank God. Because you would see Leviah struggle in a in a longer game. It just will happen. Um, and so to dodge that in that game was nice, but it was also a high roll game. You don't expect that to actually be how every game plays, um, just like how the second game happened with Tarek Patel in the Goliath Gauntlet. Yep. Uh, yep. Just a great start, and then uh, an all red hand. And then a hand that only dealt six. And then a hand with two non-blocks. And it's just, nope. Oh, okay, well, there went the game. Um, so, you know, I... I should move away. And and with LSS, like all the conversations we had this weekend, I think there's almost some soft permission granted now to just take a break. Like she's yeah. uh, she's wonderful. I think Blitz is actually in a stellar format for her, uh, which is kind of a new discovery for me because I just never really got to play the format that well. Um, but after this weekend, I actually love it. Uh, so I'm happy to keep, you know, discovering what she's capable of there. But in CC, it's the break is warranted. It really is. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. That's intriguing. Uh, um, not that you have to pick a new favorite hero, but uh, you're, are you saying that you're going to be 
kind of just ex- seeing what other fish are out in the sea here uh, coming into 2023 and just see see what's out there. Yeah, I mean, I nothing will ever match the play patterns of Leviah. I think she's just the perfect mid-range deck, and I really love mid-range in this game. She's a deck that you never, almost never, ever get to draw your hand and just say, okay, I don't care what you do anymore, I'm good. And I... Like, I don't like playing that way. I don't like the decks that play that way, but there's a lot of them that play that way. But Leviah just literally cannot play that way. It's non-functional. You need to uh, start interacting from turn zero. Otherwise, you have no executable game plan. Like, you need to care about your graveyard. You need to care about your small hand combos. Um, and you need to always, always care about Arsenal, that deck, my God. Uh, so if there's just so many decision points. You're in the hot seat turn after turn that no other deck that I've played has ever gotten close to. I mean, I literally drooled my way to a progress one on Starvo, and I like I just can't even remember like a, a single play pattern I made with that deck no. that was anything <laughs> impressive. It just uh, it was draw. It yeah. was just draw hand. Okay, keep uh, draw yeah. hand. Okay, bad. Like it's just yeah. So we need to find a deck that matches the interactiveness that I really enjoy in Leviah. Um, and so far, I think Dromai is actually the closest uh, in that. She's got her own minigame resource system with Ash. Uh, so all my exposure with her so far in, in like draft and sealed has been amazing. So I think that's probably the next deck to start looking at um, in Flesh and Blood. And I actually think she's also another quite underrated deck. The good players get good results with her. And the bad, the, the, the not bad players, the people who don't respect the matchup don't do well in the matchup. And that's another thing that Levi could always prey on as well. So I like it. I think it's good. I think uh, it's it's funny that Dramai kind of speaks to you because I know that Dramai also has the ability to just kind of shut down with the wrong hand. Uh, like there's <laughs> just sometimes you just draw it, cannot play, conduct a game action. Um, but uh, so before we move on to other things, uh, so Levi is missing an element or two or three, who knows? And it's definitely not coming for another 10 months. In 10 months, she's fixed how is is she fixed what is the missing element to her to bring her in into the fold Mm -hmm. well i think there's um probably like two big fixes that could come through and and be like pretty easy ones um but first and foremost like i do stand by her recursion play style i think if you're just trying to play aggro brute then reinar is just better at it um but you know, you can play Leviathan in that way. It just kind of lacks thematics. So for me, I would like to see the recursion playstyle, the Blood Debt playstyle, be the one that's more uh, like poignantly supported, which would make sense. Like in a Shadow Light set, I would hope you know the Shadow gets gets some help. Um, but first and foremost, a one cost recursion playable non-attack would be massive for the deck. Um, her cost curve is like really funky because you need a huge blue base to pay for. All your good hands, like your Dread Screamer Graveling, needs a blue. Your Endless Wallet needs a blue. Your Blood Rush wants to start with a blue. Um, on and on. Like your Double Howl wants to be paid for by double blue. Um, the issue with that is when you have your smaller hands, you have your two-cost attacks, which your deck has plenty of, uh, and nothing to do with that extra resource. So one thing you can try to force right now is, okay, I'll just try to like roll scabs and see if I can get a Ghostly Visit Swing out of that extra resource. And... Sure, when it hits, it's cool, but the the pressure with rolling scabs in Leviah is if I roll a one into a one, it's game over. And on top of that, this probably means I'm out of the event because some of these events with how big they get, you can't make top eight with just a random loss here or there. Like you need to be X one. 
or or like maybe x2 with your loss like in the last round so the pressure of rolling scabs is immense whether the math says it's right or not so just like try to risk it like with gamblers up safety net this safety net that the reality is you are always risking just to be out of the event with every scabs roll so i hate rolling scabs with Leviah. uh so i think one like a one resource cost recursion piece that just naturally fits into the, the curve that she can just get on her middling hands would be fantastic um, in terms of what it could do, straight damage buffs kind of boring. So I've toyed around with some ideas on Twitter about, um, you know, like light graveyard manipulation um, or just something more in the shadow space that we've seen um, that could be could be interesting. So that would be massive. Uh, second one is just as simple as an unworldly bellow that procs on weapon because hex gore is unplayable, and it would be so yep. easy to play that weapon if unworldly bellow targeted your weapon but it doesn't and it's actually an easy one to just pump out a, a, a fixed version of that card unworldly is four three two you can just make one that's three two one that does pump weapon easy and then all of a sudden hex score is playable and i think hex score is actually pretty good but it just lacks a core around it um that really makes it sing uh you know you have to end up wasting like your other gogan cards on your hex turns when your Gogan cards already had the turns they wanted to play for, like with Graveling Growl. So it, it's a little weird. Uh, so I just would love to see a bit more support for that weapon. And also to just move away from Blood Rush High Rolls, because I, I don't like playing that part of the deck, but it's so much damage that you have to, uh, just to carry over when your turns are bad. So I'm not asking for like a full redesign, but there's some things that could help. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, with all this talk of uh, exploring other... Other heroes, uh, I come to our first community question uh, brought to you uh, by a uh, friend of the channel, Clark Jansen. He asks, what would it take for Ethan to agree to play a Bravo mirror? Mm. We all well, know Clark loves playing Bravo. Well, Clark, I'll, I'll remind you of a wonderful game we played uh, at my first ever Flesh and Blood event where you walked in with all your Crucible gear when the rest of us didn't even know it was a set yet. And we sat down and we were, I think the undefeateds going into the last round. And I was on Bravo. And you were on Bravo. And you had way better equipment than me. Uh, Crater Fist, everything. Uh, and we ended up going to time. And it basically instilled in me the <laughs> just, just a complete dislike of playing uh, Mirrors. Like, I don't think it was and nothing to do against like Bravo specifically. But that game left like such a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, that I just don't like playing mirrors at all. Like it yep. was just such an such an early game to feel like, oh, gross. Like that this game just ended terribly. Like why would we even sit down if we're both just going to double loss at a casual event? It's just kind of dumb. And I was ahead, by the way, but uh, that's all right. Um, so as far as like mirrors go, uh, I don't think too many of them are that interesting because at the end of the day, like if your deck is built to do the same thing, to execute the same game plan, then it it can come down a lot to well, who drew the deck in a better sequence to execute that game plan? Uh, not every deck, not every mirror plays that way, but um, that's just my inherent bias towards playing mirrors. I don't think, like, you can capitalize on someone's misplay, but it's very hard to, like, actually outplay someone in the mirror if you both know what you're doing. It'll just end up being the draw sequence. So, uh, I don't know, maybe that's a bad take, but that's how I see it. And uh, I just also don't want to play the Bravo Mirror against you again, Clark. So that's just that just is what it is. <laughs> I don't want to risk uh, getting a double draw again. So uh, that's that's that. 
Nope, that's 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 fair. Uh, I had mentioned off air. So Clark is uh, he's a good buddy of mine. I hang out with too many Guardian players. I don't know what it is. There's Clark, Clark and Rich Cook. Shout out to both of you. You're great uh, Bravo players. Uh, Clark has been featured on uh, our skirmish showcase videos a few times. Uh, I, I wanted to get some variety on the gameplay. So I know mm-hmm. Clark played Bravo and Blitz. So. He comes in and he he uh, if you catch it, uh, he brings a sledge of Anvilheim Bravo. That is a fatigue build. And I'm on uh, on the first game. I'm on chain and it just doesn't that game unedited went like an hour and a half blitz. Huh. Like it was just a brutal, just a brutal slog fest. And he's happy as a pig in shit. Just just do it. <laughs> just fatiguing chain uh, mm-hmm. is how he won his uh, his pro quest was fatiguing mm-hmm. chain on Bravo streamed uh, on my channel. Actually, you can see it. Yes, that's right. Um, right. That is an excellent segue uh, to uh, the next topic I want to talk about your uh, live streaming success. So recently you have picked up the uh, the Talishar mantle and has really garnered a, a large following doing that but even before then uh starting early in the year you you've live streamed uh you've done armory skirmishes pro quests you've gone all around you've uh you've gotten your own uh your layout has evolved over time you've you've spent a lot of time in your in your live stream uh gameplay arena and it is uh it has evolved over time into a quite a high quality production, uh, culminating, uh, it would seem, in this partnership with Star City Games. Uh, talk to talk to us a little bit about your 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 uh, live streaming journey here and uh, uh, how it plays into your plans uh, coming into uh, coming into 2023. Hmm. Uh, yeah, well, uh, thanks for noticing all that early effort because it really did take a while to get here. Uh, it was really just the prevalence of all these events in Michigan that were just going completely un, unaired. You know, they were just getting lost, all this quality gameplay out there that just spurred this idea of, well, hold up, I've got like at least a phone. You know, how hard can it be to start putting together like some somewhat of a production? Um, and it did definitely evolve I mean, because back in the day, you know, Flesh and Blood was, it had some seasons like that first ProQuest season was hot. There were so many views on those honestly pretty poorly produced videos that I was putting out. Um, but that's what that's what drove me to look at upgrades, look at you know improving what I could um, in overlay, in like quality of the stream, in like you know camera angles, whatever, whatever, um, into what it is now. Which uh, unfortunately no one's really seen like what it is now because when I had my like my grand reveal ready for Leal. Um, it never got to pop off because we had bed bugs and had to ditch the hotel. And then at our new place, I never got to set it up. And then it all got lost on the return anyway. So it's been a long battle with FedEx to try to, uh, you know, get, get my gear back, which is not going to happen. Um, and now get money back so I can actually, you know, repurchase what I need. Uh, but you know, I was supposed to stream SGCon Dallas. That was supposed to be like the big uh, start of this SSGCon thing, uh, but I just didn't have anything. So now we've got finally SSGCon Philly coming around this weekend, and I've got a an amazing plan in place. Uh, it's all just you know to my right here. All this gear I've got that is really, oh my god, like so exciting. I don't even want to play the game anymore. I just want to like travel and bring this this coverage that I really hope is good for the community. Like whether or not it's going to like change 
the the streaming game for Flesh and Blood moving forward. I don't really know, uh, but I really just want to kind of show that it's not that hard to put together something this good um, as a one man show to to travel out to an event and bring your gear and you know spend some time on the overlays and really bring the community coverage that is going to make people just want to play this game. Like that is all I'm trying to build up for here. So I'm very excited uh, because once this goes well, hopefully um, I'd love to open up about, Hey, this is what it took. Here's how you can do it. Um, I think that'll be a great angle to take because I've spent a lot of time trying to find that out on my own and just ran, run into tons of problems because uh, people, you know, may, might post a video like five years ago about some setup they use and then content kind of dries up. So um, I, I think I, I want to make sure it works and then we're going to actually share it all with the community. That's the whole, this is the whole goal here. So um, really looking forward to that. Uh, but in the Talishar aspect, I mean, that's just because I'm free and my job is kind of made up. So uh, I've got the time and people keep telling me that they like to listen to it at work. So, hey, like, you know, when I'm in between contract gigs, like, sure, I got the time. So I can uh, just pop on stream and and uh, hopefully, you know, make content that's that's good for people. Uh, I'm glad you like that five series, by the way, Patrick, because I actually had someone at the Battle Hard in Columbus who was brand new to the game. Like, I've only been playing two weeks. He said, hey, I watched earlier five streams. I really like this hero. Like, I want to do well. So I'm taking it, and then he top aided, like just yeah. from being a two week player and watching my five stream. So I think that's great. Like I'm just not gonna, hearing stories like that. Like why would I stop? So uh, yeah. you know we'll move on. Maybe it's throw my next, but uh, I, I love the consistency of it all. It's just good content. Hearing stories like that made me wonder why the hell I'm, I'm I can't top eight. <laughs> I've been playing for a while now. I people trip and fall and win a pro quest. Uh, never played for the first time. I can't seem to punch through here. Um, I do. So I I want to explore your. So you have this. Uh, you have this setup uh, coming into uh, SCG Con Philly. Um, it is. Uh, Give me, give me a bit of the uh, the concept here. Are you mm. uh, are you looking to capture more of? Uh, are you focusing on the gameplay? Are you doing any casting on in the background of it, or is this more of a uh, kind of ambient feature with uh, with concentration on an overlay? Tell me, tell me about the 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 concept of execution here. Uh, now we're we're looking at it like full full coverage, like picture worlds, but you know one man show. Although I think okay. Alex will be joining me for commentary. But I've got a five camera setup at this point um, with overhead, uh, with hand cams, with face cams, with an ambient cam for the room, uh, a caster cam. Um, you know, uh, I've got a kind of audio ducking system where the player cam or the players will be lapel mic'd. You'll hear it, but you know, as soon as commentary takes over, you know, it'll audio duck and you'll actually be able to talk over it. And so you get it kind of like both layers. So if something's super critical, we can casters can just like shut up for a second and just like let the players talk. Uh, but, you know, like it's just the little subtle things, I think, that, um, you know, took a bit of effort to figure out and work through, but to put it all together in one, it's going to be really good. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm casting it, so I won't be playing, but that's another thing that I have been wanting to do more of anyway, as we'll get to the Clash thing, I think, in the next segment. Uh, just talking about the game is something I really enjoy coming from all the live streams with Talishar and actually casting it as someone who was born into the TCG world with flesh and blood is going to be unique, I think, because you, you see all these amazing casters we've got so far. They don't come from flesh and blood. They're pre-established from somewhere else. 
And so maybe they've got an approach to how they view the game um, that is good, but it's not actually from the true like fab players perspective. Um, I actually haven't gone back to watch Brendan's coverage, but I know Brendan's actually in a similar spot where he is just a fab player. He didn't come from something before. So I'd like to see what he did. But um, I, I would hope that that can add a layer of commentary that is not just like play by play. Oh my God, there's eight damage on the board, but you know, way more along the lines of like, okay, this, this hand uh, really below rate for like what if I wants to do here so we can see, you know, like what he's blocked with because there was the one piece it was missing its critical component to really pop off. So now that's an arsenal, you know, he didn't force a half-assed hand. Like, you know, there's things like that, that I think um, I really want to see like how, how that can work in commentary. Is it too overbearing? Is it easy to follow? I just know I can at least try. So we're going to, we're going to go that route. Awesome, awesome. Um, and you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get a whack at it here uh, with the Clash tournament that you're running. Now, does this does it have a title or is this simply Clash the debut tournament? Um, I've been a little light on organizing this thing with everything else going on in the background, but I wanted to call it the Clash Cash Bash. But there's no cash on the line because I'm yeah. too poor. Um, but, uh, you know, alliteration was there at a moment uh, for, for some of it, but I don't know what it's going to be in the end. I still need to iron all that out. Uh, but it'll debut like at the end of next week, once people actually have dynasty in hand and can start building decks. Uh, so probably just like clash, clash event, clash tournament, vanilla. Uh now you you do have so you have Chris Buley, content manager of uh, LSS on, uh, which is the you have an LSS connection here with the format. Are they obviously they're aware of it? Uh, have you had conversations with them about about Clash as a as a format and gotten kind of any feedback from them? Um, I've heard like a couple of mixed things, uh, namely that. You know, community-led formats have worked in the past. Like, that's how Commoner became a format. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also the confusion element that you don't want to add into the mix where uh, a new player just gets a bit overwhelmed with, like, what players tell them versus, like, what they can find on the website uh, or, like, you know, when they look for content, like, where is it? And so uh, while I don't think Clash is really... I mean, it's definitely not in a, in a space to really be pushed at all as a real format. It's an experiment that as far as I've heard, has actually been received very well. Um, players who have tried it and started deck building with it actually have mentioned like it, it hits all the marks that it was supposed to in terms of preserving thematics. Next level of complicated gameplay is still there uh, compared to what Commoner is doing. Games are way more interactive than Blitz. Um, and uh, it's just worth exploring more, I think. So the Clash event is not officially sponsored by LSS. Uh, Chris Buley is just a friend in this aspect, uh, but I also have Uber, uh, Uber Shouts, who ran the Goliath Gauntlet, who mm-hmm. comes from Overwatch. Uh, he also will be joining in the commentary. He wanted more opportunities, so hey, uh, hey you know, I was more happy, happy to oblige. All right, that's a good one. That's a get, that's a get right mm-hmm. there. Um, so is this is this intended to be like a one day thing? Is this uh, over a course of time? Is it going to be similar to the Goliath Gauntlet, where these? are uh, taped games over time and aired in in sequence to a finish? How is, how is it going to work? Yeah, so since this is an experiment, it's going to be a double elimination bracket because I don't want to just invite people on board to, you know, have kind of one unlucky game where they just don't really know what they're doing yet and just are down and out. So it's going to be a double elim eight-person bracket um, where 
we look to put out probably two or three matches a week, just depending on like, you know, background wise, like who can get what recorded um, and just play all the way through. Uh, I think the ETA on that was like maybe three weeks, um, three to four weeks to like really pump it out and get it done. Uh, but it would be debuted similar to the Goliath Gauntlet premieres for each episode, um, you know, where the casting's done post-production and edited together. Uh, it won't have the same budget as Goliath Gauntlet. I got nothing here. Uh, yeah. I just got <laughs> friends who are willing to help. Um, so, yeah, just it'll be webcam gameplay in some capacity uh, with commentary. And then hopefully um, the other content creators uh, have enough time to try to push some more on their edge with like deck techs and things like that. Cause that was the initial pitch to get anyone on board was, Hey, like I'll host the gameplay, but you know, you'll have a, you'll have all eyes on you to put out a deck tech and uh, you know, build hype on your own end. So uh, hopefully there's a bit of collaboration there. Uh, I know a lot of people have just kind of come and gone with how busy this season has been. So that's why we were waiting for the, you know, worlds to subside and just calm down and have like no real events in the way. So uh, I still don't even have all the details yet because my busyness is not at rest yet. I still have SCGCon uh, to to head out for. So, uh, yeah, sorry, right. no more details than that. <laughs> that's that's all right. That's all right. Now, uh, there was an initial announcement of uh, eight players involved. Is it still those eight players? Yes. Yeah. It's still okay. the eight. Um, unfortunately. Um, uh, Sloop Dupe was actually I don't think he was in like the announcement video, but he did have to back out. Um, actually, I don't think he was in the announcement video, so I'm pretty no, sure the eight not. that were there are the eight that are there. Okay. Uh, everyone's still set. Yeah. Um, now, looking looking at the roster, it does seem like uh, e- each of these participants has a a hero that they are closely associated with. I, is, I imagine that was done on purpose. Uh, coming in here, uh, let's look at some of these names, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, first up, I have DM Armada, uh, a new friend of the channel recently. On We interview all the big names here at the Combat Chain, and DM mm-hmm. Armada was a great interview. He is a, a, a Kano aficionado when it comes to the smaller formats. Is that, uh, has it been decided who is going to play what? Is he, in fact, going to play Kano? Uh, no one can play the same hero just for experiment's sake. Uh, and so everyone's supposed to start fighting for their lanes pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, people are invited upon the premise that, you know, they, they do lean one way or another. So yeah, I assumed Dear Armada would likely be like Icelander or Kano. He's a wizard player. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, next up we have Zach Bunn from team covenant, uh, who I believe is one of the, uh, progenitors of the concept of this format. Is that correct? Well, he was the loudest complainer. Uh, and I just said, all right, then let's do something about it. Uh, and yes, so it's been great to have them take part in this team covenant is massive. Uh, but they really did want to see this project through with me. So that's been, that's been, yeah, really, really cool. Excellent. Excellent. And Zach is, uh, I know he's primarily a, a rune blade player there that the variant of rune blade very, uh, depends on, on the, uh, on the time of the year, uh, and also a very big Bravo player. So it'd be interesting to see what he brings to the table. Uh, there because viscerai is legal in clash it's mm-hmm. uh, it's very very encouraging stuff um as from go again gaming uh love as as is one of my he's one of my oldest oldest flesh and blood friends uh mm-hmm. and a uh, leader of the azalea cult um mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't foresee him playing anything else uh, other than azalea and i don't think anyone's going to stop him from doing that uh but uh, as also i believe 
I don't know. I don't know a few of these locations, but as is from the UK, so he's got the time zone uh, difference happening there. Have you had uh, what kind of conversations have you had with as uh, about about the Clash tournament? Uh, so far, he is. I mean, I just love I love Aaron. So I've hung out with him a lot at Worlds. Uh, he's also very excited to get this going, and he's the only one who is coming from like a you know drastically different time zone. So might be a little tricky, but uh, I know he's very dedicated to get this going and wants to win it all with Azalea because some of these new Dynasty cards are pretty darn cool. So uh, you know, he's yeah. just uh, he's I just love that. So I'm glad he's on board. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He's he's one of those. Uh, he 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 started small and has really really built his brand and uh, in a large community and really found his his place and uh, every time he he gets uh he grows a little bit i just uh, just get just get happy thinking about it um next up we have mark johnson uh mo bogsley uh, on social media hometown tcg uh big on the buds discord as well um he's also he would be the other most prominent wizard uh player so i think him and uh and uh, steven Cookus are gonna have to duke it out to figure out mm. who's Who's on uh, who's on Kano and who's on Icelander here? Though of course, uh, Mark Johnson uh, just got second in the Battle Hardened in San Jose with Prism. So mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, that was more my thought. Is he will end up on Prism? But uh, there are two wizards, and actually three. The Emperor's the Emperor's now out. So uh, yeah, maybe, the maybe one of them takes that. Um, is the Emperor a legal? Would he be a legal hero? Here. Yep, every that's, is, is majestic, right? Yeah. That's the deal. Every hero, weapon, hero spec, and uh and mentor is allowed in any rarity. Okay. So yes, yes. Excellent, he would be excellent. legal. We do need to officially errata CNC to be his hero spec though. because uh, otherwise he's not playable. So yeah, that, is, is that happening? Is, is, yeah, that'll make its way out there somewhere. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, next up, we have uh, uh, Elaine from the Pitch Perfect podcast. Uh, recently came on to help me do some play-by-play for the Instant Speed tournament that came up. Uh, uh, a wonderful individual uh, and a uh, a passionate Briar player uh, coming on here. Really, Briar? I I peg her for Kasai. Uh, but you know what? In in Blitz, she most likely is going to be on Kasai. Uh, oh, Kasai is. is my pick for the most overpowered hero in Clash, and I do want to uh, talk to you quickly uh, once we get through these. Um, I'm going to screw up his actual name, but Ethnic Smoke, uh, uh, help me out, Ethan. How do you say his Pankaj. name? Pankaj. There we go. Some, was, something like that, Pankaj. I'm pretty sure. Uh, that is good as your fault now, if it is wrong. Um, but ethnic smoke coming on. Um, I know I, I know he's a prominent name. I uh, I have no idea what he would be playing. Uh, I I would also guess uh, one of the one of the rune blades because there's there's three right. So uh, they can they can fight amongst themselves on which one. I think he's more viscerai oriented. Um, Zach maybe would go more go chain or briar. Uh, so that's that was my thoughts. Didn't, uh, didn't he also, uh, I think in France, play um, play Icelander to a, a prominent finish? Um, in CC, yeah, he's been playing Icelander more recently. Uh, I don't know what he's been doing for, for Blitz these days, but I definitely came to know him through his Viscerai gameplay. Gotcha. So maybe he maybe he goes back to that, his old roots. Excellent, excellent. And uh, next up, we have uh, Tommy Fresh, the Fresh and Buds uh, podcast, the Buds Discord. We all love Tommy Fresh. 
there's only one hero that he'll play, and that mm-hmm. is 100% Oldham. Uh, <laughs> he <laughs> loves to play some Oldham and Blitz. Uh, I uh, think that's I, right. Is that I right? Is that, is that... I, I don't think he's invited to play Oldham. Just saying. <laughs> he's, uh, he's invited to actually rep Leviah because... Uh, he is, he is I, there for a reason. Yes, that's what well, I needed. I need my proxy because I can't I won't be playing. So I needed my little, you know, Blazafet minion out there, uh, you know, doing doing Blazafet's work. And that's Tommy. You he will take home the win. I'm almost sure. Of it. Is, to- is Tommy essentially the lieutenant now now of, in the league of Levi? You have there's there's you reigning supreme. And is Tommy kind of just is he right here? Uh, I, actually, Tommy actually has nothing to do with the league of Levi. He uh, the, the core, like five people. At first, he was not a part of. I I think because at first it was like all the Levias who actually placed in something. Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Tommy. Ah, but um, we hey, were like top four in RTN. So he's got something going for him. Recently, right? Like the most recent season. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. He he yeah. Quali- yeah. He qualified for. Yeah. Yeah. He got the he got the qualification. Because back in the day, the League of Levia, it was like you know there was we were only like one competitive season in or whatever it was mm-hmm. and. Um, there were only, I think, literally like four or five people who had done anything with Leviah. Uh, and so that was the original uh, the original core panel of people who wanted to there, take it there, off. There is, there is an actual infrastructure of Leviah players. I did not, yeah. I, I did not know that. <laughs> Quite the cabal, <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you have ranks? Do you have names? Do you have titles? Of course we do. What? Come on, Lee Leviah, there's, all the, there's a whole ranking system. Uh, you've got like your Shadow Incarnates at the top, your Blasm Vets right hand, your Levi's Legionnaires, your uh, like Harbingers of Doomsday, uh, your I forget what some of the other ones are, but yeah, there's a whole ranking system. Man, I have to join. I have to join the dis. I don't. I'm not on the Discord. I got to join now. This is just to see, just to see what's going on there. Uh, <laughs> last but not least, we have West from Metrics Metagame. Uh, the Metrics led me to think that he, he might be on Dash. I have no idea. Yes, Dash. <laughs> That's all Excellent. he plays. <laughs> Which um, is going to be an exciting one coming in from Dynasty because, you know, when we announced this, I don't think any Dynasty spoilers are even out yet, uh, but they almost released a perfect set for making Clash exciting because any rarity yeah. weapons are allowed and there's a lot of majestic weapons in the set and they also dumped a lot of common and rare equipment which is all that's yes. allowed in those slots as well. I think for the, for them it was more for commoner support, but, you know, it works, works well for Clash too, so it'll be pretty exciting. Do you know why uh, the um, the legendary late warrior action is not a Bolton specialization? Do you have any idea? Would you would you be willing to write that one in along with CNC for the Emperor uh, so that Bolton uh, can use it in Clash? Uh, I mean, maybe the, it was Clash balance. Maybe that's why it wasn't a Bolton spec. Yeah, they, really they were like, you know what? This is good. Much but Clash will have to change the ban list. Yeah, uh, I I don't know why they did that. Um, it's I think what it's just like Shiana. Shiana is like the only thing that really cares outside of Bolton about the yeah. spec. Yeah, literally. So, it, and it just references right? it just references Lumina Ascension. If it just said yeah. something like grab a light warrior uh, an action or something along those lines. Adam, do you know why Bolton is not or the uh, what is it, was it the spirit of Arena is not a Bolton specialization? Actually, uh, now that uh, it's mentioned, Shiana makes a lot of sense. Um, if you gave uh, Shiana the ability to do all that, like, I, I don't know, that could be really strong in Shiana. Um, 
That's the best is, I've is got. Is Chiano one card away from from <laughs> from breaking it wide open? I guess maybe I, I she know. got some uh, living legend points not too long ago uh, in skirmish season. So who mm-hmm. knows? Who knows? All right, let's. I, I do want to talk a little bit about the blitz format itself and deck construction. Have you had a chance to kind of I mean, clash, right? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, what did I say? Did I say blitz. blitz. I meant clash. Let I want to uh, dive a little into the deck construction of the clash format. Um, I went on kind of a brewing spree myself uh, when the format was announced to see what was out there. Uh, I imagine you've had a chance to explore yourself. Uh, what do you see as kind of the uh, the hierarchy, the meta of Clash uh, coming into here uh, to this debut tournament? Yeah, well, in all honesty, I don't think I don't think Fab really needs like a new, a new pushed competitive format. They have that. So Clash is really not meant to be the let's brew and like stomp these armories with clash. It, it really is. I mean, obviously it can, it can be taken that way because it's a card game. Like of course you can, you can build to win. Uh, but overall clash is about preserving the thematics of a young hero format uh, and also providing a entry point to new players. That is not a lie because that's what I've come up with a lot. When you introduce a new player to the game, you sell them a blitz deck and you basically have to pretend that that's actually a deck. And you have to say, oh, hey, let's just like, you know, play with these out of box split decks and then you can take it to your armory and go 05 and never play the game again. Like, that's just not it's not real to to really pitch that to someone. Um, So Clash is really Clash exists for that. I mean, I live in an area that doesn't actually even have a real LGS. There's a coin store that just started hosting some Flesh and Blood events. And Clash was just a really easy pitch to say. Hey, like you want to try Dromai without spending, you know, three hundred dollars on equipment? Then let's play a format with it, like, yep. and let's let's play Clash with it. And it really kind of helped in my area, I think, to do that. Um, and that's what took it to where it is now, like with an actual debut. I think there's a lot of communities where it's it's really the key piece in helping people get the jumping off point into the more competitive game that is Flesh and Blood. That is an amazing game. Um, but you can't pretend that Blitz is an entry point format. It is it is just a yep. lie. Um, so I I've so far even gotten tagged like on Twitter. There was you know there's been all those uh, brings about like Japan getting into Flesh and Blood, and there's been some big YouTubers that started posting content about it. I was tagged in some Japanese Twitter post about how good Clash was for their uh, local armory, yep. and that's in, that's incredible. Like that is exactly what you want to hear because. I'm not saying, hey, like let's take Clash and like make it part of Worlds. That's not the point. Clash is just a way to say, here's how you actually can get to get into playing the game without wasting your money on a deck you might not love, without not spending anything uh, to play a, a format like Commoner that doesn't really get you sold on the the actual thematic components of each hero. Like Clash is just that in between that I think is really good, like really good. So whether it's ever official or not, like the whole point is just, it's just not a lie. When you say, hey, here's a Clash deck, let's try out these heroes. It's, 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 it's a format. Like, it's just how you play it. It's, you know, you can get your whole deck for like 30 bucks. Like, it's good. That's fair. That's fair. And it is, it is, it is super, super exciting. Uh, I, I've been able to play test a few different things in there. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Kasai fan in Blitz in general. And I think in Clash, she's probably one of the strongest. Uh, the fact that Stubby Hammers exists uh, is, it, it is going to be an interesting 
uh, aspect to that can be explored. I, I look at a, a fourth of nature combo Briar, and I look at Phi uh, in particular as super aggressive decks in the format. And uh, uh, but I still think I think Kasai is going to be. I think Kasai is mm. number one. So whoever 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 brings Kasai to this thing, they're my pick uh, to win. Uh, it's the whole thing. Uh, but that does uh, bring us, you, you had mentioned uh, uh, Clash going into Armories, and it brings us to our community question uh, from Capolo. Uh, Dash Extraordinaire, he asks, with Clash not being an official format, uh, it could be hard to have events at an LGS since Armories are official formats only. What are the plans besides the initial tourney to spread the adoption of the f- of the format in paper? Yeah, I mean, I think the timing of this is actually the right uh, right part of the year, because if you remember last year when the Cracked Bobbles went out, those were just participation. It was just show up, you'll get a, you'll get a festival bobble. Yeah. Um, and now this is kind of the same time of the year where we're trying to push Clash a bit. Uh, we don't know if that's what the December Armor Kit will be like, but it's the whole idea of, hey, at least you're playing the game. Like, you know, it's something to do. It's something to still get you brewing, uh, something new and exciting. And if you ever spend the time brewing and, and brewing and building Clash, it's never wasted because now you've got decks to pass to someone new and just say, let me sell you on the fantastic game that is Flesh and Blood. Like, I, I don't think it's, it's possible to, like, waste your time uh, with Clash, whether it's an official format or not, because if you've got them built, like I've got with me at all times now, I have a Dromai and a Bolton which may not be, like, your first picks for Clash, but the thematics are insanely preserved in those decks. Uh, where you get to play a Lumina Ascension, you know, Raiden Bolton deck that is not actually trash for once <laughs> because the format is more watered down. Uh, you get a Dromai that gets her, uh, you know, some of her rare dragons, not her big bads with the Majestics, but, uh, you know, gets a huge suite of dragons to play with. Um, it's, it's never a waste. Like, have those with you. Introduce people to the game. Whether it's a new format or not, it's something you can play with people. Um, and I don't really want to overstep my bounds and try to make it anything real because I'm not a game dev. Don't know whether it's balanced, but I know that it has worked for what I wanted it to do. And, um, you know, if you really want to make it work, then you can also just talk with your local player base and get them to just try it for a night. Like my old LGS out in Michigan, uh, I think tonight was hosting, what is it today, Wednesday? They were hosting Clash. They were, they were hosting Clash as their Excellent. tournament format because, yeah, it's not officially allowed as an armory kit, but not everyone goes around, like, fact-checking all of that, all right? Like, you, you can just have fun. It's a game. Okay. Did you play an official format tonight to get that promo? No? Rip. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no promo for you. Um... Excellent, excellent. Uh, we have uh, we have one more question for you, and then uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, it wasn't originally in the show notes because I forgot, uh, but I like to c- conclude every interview with this question, um, and it is actually originated by uh, Clark Jansen, so technically you have two questions by Clark. Uh, but mm-hmm. I've completely hijacked it for my own conclusion for interviews. So uh, for those who don't know you, what is something you want us to know about you? Hmm. Mm, well, you just sprung that one on me. I read I did, all these notes, you know. I was, yep, I was yep. a little prepared. Yep. Threw um, it right in there. And, you know, and you you have been uh, an extraordinary guest, and I do appreciate it. Um, and this is just fun. Uh, guests talk about uh, uh, video games that they might uh, be playing, movies they they've been seeing, hobbies that they like outside of Flesh and Blood, mm-hmm. anything along those lines. Uh, are, 
All right, no, here we go. No pressure. This, no pressure. This one, this one came up on stream today because someone was making fun of me for like not knowing some music reference. I don't really listen to music. I listen to musicals. I really like singing along. Um, hence, like the you know we had Little Shop Horrors talk just now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I I just enjoy singing along. I I don't just you know bop my head to a beat. I want to actually get into it, picture what was happening on stage. So yeah, I listen to musicals a lot, like way more than any other type of music. Um, and unfortunately, like musicals are not the best stream music. They're very copyright. I can't just have them yes, in the background. Is, also very distracting. Very yep. So uh, you know, it's it, that's like for me, most one of my most favorite films from this past year was probably um, the uh what was this oh god now i'm blanking andrew garfield what was the name of that oh uh, uh tick tick boom tick tick boom there we go there we go yes yeah it was the yeah (laughs) uh now now the his character is blanking on me but it's jonathan larson he plays jonathan larson Larson, the guy the guy who wrote rent and his whole saga is uh my all-time favorite uh, oh yeah i am also um, i love listening to musicals which i'm like this is audio only but uh audience i am like he's mentioned musicals i'm (laughs) i am invested uh give me give me your top three listening uh musicals that you like to what's on the playlist Mm, what's on the playlist Uh, i never thought i'd ask this question of somebody this is is great this is i'm eating this up (laughs) uh okay i mean it's a bit of a a cop-out answer first and foremost but i do really really love rent um uh, it's just it's such a banger like the the movie the movie as well like not just seeing the musical live but like i think i saw the movie before i ever saw the musical uh and it just we're kindred spirits it's so freaking good and i love rosario dawson like she has actually just had like a complete resurgence as an actress and every time i see her i just think back to when i first saw her in rent uh so that's that's a pretty easy one um and then we've got of course, anything by Lin-Manuel is really good, but I don't, I don't go the Hamilton route. I actually really like In the Heights. Um, I was mm, yeah, in a that's... production of In the Heights uh, in college. Who, and, who were you? Uh, nah, just, just background character. Actually, oh, funny okay. story on it's that. Just an ensemble. I, That's all right. Yeah, I, I didn't know um, that uh, uh, Benny what it was was actually like black. I, I had no idea just from listening to the music. Uh, so I auditioned for him, and the director was like, this, this is pretty bold <laughs> of you. <laughs> uh, so I didn't get it. Um, I probably should have tried out for, like, literally anything else. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I really Sorry. enjoyed being in that, uh, for I, sure. I, this is, I definitely go to I, I'm a huge, I love Hamilton. That's, the, mm-hmm. that's like, my go-to at the moment. Um, underrated one, uh, uh, if you've ever seen Spam a lot. Uh, yes, yes. It just... I saw that live at the Boston Opera House, and it was just just transcendent. It was fantastic. Uh, still listen to that soundtrack uh, uh, to this day. It's a good one uh, there. Oh, okay. All right. I, I'm going to start a musical listening podcast and uh, have you back on on that one. <laughs> sure. Uh, but until then, Ethan Vincent, thank you so much for coming on to the Combat Chain. This has been a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, super uh, fun. You didn't let me say my number three, but it's Wicked. Like, Wicked has to always be in touch. Ah, so you know what? I, easy. I am I am meh on, on Wicked. Mm. Uh, and that is a very unpopular opinion when I say that, but it really did not do it for me. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. We, we can't all be perfect. Mm. Um, but 
that is going to do it for uh, for this interview. So this is your time to plug your stuff. You got a you got a shit ton. So the floor is yours. What do you got for us? Easy. All right. I don't know when this drops, but SEGCon coverage is coming to you live from the Mansant YouTube channel. Um, it is something I really want to take off. So please do your part in just tuning in, uh, spreading it around. When you see the production quality of this thing, I'd love to just build that hype. Leave a comment in the chat, whatever, so that SEGCon recognizes that as well. And maybe we make this something more official because I, it's not like an official partnership. I have exclusivity for this event. But that doesn't mean they just, you know, can't see what I do and then say, all right, we can do that. You're you're cut off. Like, you know, I don't want I don't want that to happen. So I I, I want them to think, you know, I am the value add in this capacity. So anything to make that 100%. keep going for Star me. Star City, amazing. that would be a dick move. Just exactly. saying, we're all watching. That would be a dick move. That's right. So uh, that's the first thing coming up on the docket. Then we've got uh, just streams on Talishar, also on the YouTube channel. Um, trying to do like three days a week, uh, just tone it down a little bit, um, just so I have more time for actual work that, you know, need to do to pay bills. Um, that's on the Mansant YouTube channel. Uh, I've got a Twitter, Mansant Fab, uh, that is, <laughs> that was actually just a great way to keep track of, um, everything that was happening at Worlds. Twitter was just alive with all kinds of fun pictures and comments. So I've really started to warm up to that platform for the Flesh and Blood community itself. Yes, um, it's just 100%. fantastic out there. Yep, um, it is a, a cult of happiness. Uh, the rest of Twitter is a nightmare, but yep, fab, fab Twitter community, a plus plus. Agree, and I think that's that's really it. Those are like the the main things I would care about. Uh, there's like the legal Leviah Discord, which if you really care about Leviah, then any YouTube any YouTube description will get you there. Um, and uh, you know, I just I hope you like what I'm trying to do. And I hope that, um, you know, if you really like it and want to support in any way, then, you know, there's avenues for that. But that's never what I've been about. So, um, you know, leave that up to you. If there's Patreon or donations you ever want to make, uh, it's there, but it's never forced. There's nothing paywalled. That's kind of my whole deal. So uh, it's just been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. And um, you can find the combat chain. Uh, we're on YouTube and we're pushing for the 500 subscriber mark. We're at the uh, 340 something, Adam. Yeah. 346. I was just looking at there this. There it is. Um, so we're, we have a goal, end of year goal. We're, we're looking for 500. Uh, we're going to, uh, in order to do that, we'll post actual videos. We haven't done that in a long time. Uh, we've been going ham on the podcast, uh, but uh, especially with the the end of the uh, competitive season here uh, for, for us, uh, we get to uh, kind of engage more on the video side and you'll be seeing those and we are pushing 500 so if you haven't uh, be sure to like and subscribe and click the bell notification to know when the latest episode uh or video is uploaded uh we are available on all audio platforms wherever you stream your podcasts be sure to review our podcast on itunes and google's and leave a comment as that helps the pod tremendously when you do so the best way to support us is through our patreon you can find us at www.patreon.com backslash the combat chain and you can uh, support us there it is a single tier and it helps us tremendously to keep the lights and mics uh, up and running and we want to shout out our patrons here uh, so Clark J uh, Eugene C Devin Tyquius and Arcfire thank you very much for your support and of course you can find us on Twitter uh, the channel's handle is at the combat chain you can find me at Pat Smash Good, and you can find Adam at 
Flam Tuileries TCG. Now, Mr. Sant, mm. we have one last piece of business here, and that, oh, really? is, the, that is the outro. Um, so we conclude every episode uh, by saying uh, until next week, and in unison, we I would like you to join us in saying that we are closing the combat chain. So I'm going to say until next week, and we're all going to say we're closing the combat chain. Is that something I can ask of you to participate with us? Of course, I do it all the time. It's part of the core Levi gameplay patterns. You know it. it, it <laughs> Uh, again, we're kindred spirits. This is the perfect place for you. Thank you very much, Ethan Vincent, for for joining us. Make sure you tune into uh, the live stream of the Battle Hardened Philly and support his work there. And I think that is going to do it for us this week. So, until next week, we're closing, closing the combat, combat chain. Perfect. I think that one was actually really smooth. That was great. Yeah, that was, that was. Yeah, I'm sure it sounded great in your ears. You were like a half second off for the first time. Yeah. This is great. I thought you were doing a flake for a second.